नमस्ते सो वी कंटिन्यू विद द समरी सेशन ऑफ द लाइफ डिवाइन एंड इन बुक वन वी सी दैट शिवरबिंदो इज रिवीलिंग टू अस अबाउट ईच एलिमेंट ऑफ क्रिएशन स्टार्टिंग विद द ह्यूमन एस्पिरेशन and last time we had read about these three aspects of sachidananda sat or pure existent then chit and there we took up conscious force and then the delight of existence the problem and delight of existence the solution problem being that if god is all delight why there is suffering and the solution being that it's because the evolution is not yet complete and suffering is a passage phase of transition now comes a very interesting chapter chapter 13 the divine maya often this term is used in a rather pejorative way in the sense that uh, it is uh, something which has veiled the divine something which we must get rid of if we want to get back to the divine but this was not the original sense of the term the word maya comes from the root ma dhatu which means to measure like mata matra even now we use matra for dosage in sanskrit mata the womb of all things so she measures out so maya is the formative power of the lord it is not something divorced from the lord it is not li- like uh, maya came in and suddenly imposed itself on brahman that comes from the sankhya idea but we'll talk about it little later maya is the power of the lord which gives form shape name to that which is formless beyond all names beyond all conceptions and this maya as we uh, as shobindu reveals us in this chapter has two aspects one is vidyamayi maya uh, or the higher divine maya in the divine maya it is fully aware of the oneness even when it differentiates into f- different forms and the other is avidyamayi maya where it forgets completely the oneness and is lost in that particular movement and that um, avidyamayi maya becomes the cause of ignorance take for example as you know we can take several examples that um, a person is normally aware of all the different types of identities roles that one is playing but he may be lost completely in a particular movement and com- become totally oblivious to all other aspects take for example uh, i mean in this is a common example that um, i give that a person is um, very much concentrated in doing a work maybe he is doing the work of uh, carpentry or maybe he is writing a book and at that point of time his child walks in and the child is crying or wants his attention and the person suddenly forget that he is a father and may react in ways which are not at all the ways that he would normally re- react if he was fully aware that is his child who has asked this question and needs his attention so avidyamayi maya is that which forgets we can take uh, another example is of a mahabharata mahabharata is a totality so one is aware of the entire book as a scripture as the epic but each of its character is not aware of the total story if these characters came alive so imagine that a dushashan came alive so he will experience his life in the way dushashan is but the power that gave birth to all the characters is fully cognizant and aware of the all the characters their details their origin their role their purpose and their uh, place in the total scheme of things so maya itself has two aspects one is the 
maya which is completely aware and the second is the maya where it loses or forgets itself so we have vidyamay maya and the vidyamay maya and in that we took the example from the ramayana where we know that how sita in her vidyamay maya state is fully aware of the leela that for which she and lord rama has come but then she puts a veil and then it becomes avidyamay maya and the first sign is where she um, asks lord rama to search for the um, mrig sone ka mrig you know golden deer which which is not uh, which is not there at all so its first sign is that illusion and it's it's not illusion in the sense of an unreality but it it's an illusion in the sense that is a distorted appearance it's an appearance which is distorts the reality so that story is a very typical example of this that it's not like the golden deer was non existent but it was something or someone else which had assumed the form of the golden deer and then she doubts lakshmana and then you know she becomes powerless incapacitated and is taken up by the uh, asura and then you know her return through the purifying fire it's actually a very interesting um, story Uh, apart from its truth and historical aspects which so beautifully weaves these higher truths of vidyamayi and avidyamayi in a single fable so uh, this is the divine maya and then shubindo from the divine maya takes us to where did where does this divine maya originate from like we say that is the maya of the lord but if we take the lord and we take this creation then it looks like there is a big gap we cannot understand it and that's where we have the supermind as creator so supermind is uh, that status or that power of the lord where the one begins to become many just like a prism through which a single ray of light white light passes and then it scatters itself into a many colored rainbow so supermind as the creator is the creator in this sense that it draws from the transcendent it itself is transcendent but it is that power of the transcendent which takes all the possibilities of the one and casts it into creation and that's where we see the higher divine maya comes into operation the divine maya is that power of the supermind itself which is omniscient omnipotent but it makes a selection and casts out into various possibilities in the creation each of these possibilities as it goes out forgets its origin and that's how it becomes avidyamay and um, Uh, then of course we had this chapter the supreme truth consciousness and the triple status of the supermind so basically how this change change takes place here should be the very beautifully reveals to us that there are three um three movements of the supermind one is where it is it takes into itself the one and is completely one with the one and knows at the same time it knows differentiates satchit and ananda but without dividing them so what is the state in satchit ananda in satchit ananda also it is there so some people say that what is the need of the supermind at all in satchit ananda also they they are there but they are completely like a diffused unity so supermind differentiates sat chit ananda as separate principles and yet at the same time it doesn't segregate them as separate uh, aspects altogether so it it creates that kind of um, awareness it's let's take another example that uh, a person um, for a simple act of let's say writing something or, or li- like now we are reading now in this process of reading act of reading thought is involved feeling is involved will is involved the brain is involved speech is involved and all these different aspects are involved but if you ask 
the person who is reading or speaking that uh, is your brain working is it your speech working you will say look it's me who is working and yet there is an awareness of all these different aspects which are simultaneously working and picking up from there it gives to each aspect its own true reality so that's how we were understanding sat conscious force pure existent conscious force and the delight of existence so the triple status of supermind is one where it takes up all these truths into itself holds them in an all comprehending consciousness and second is when it cast force uh, the word shurbinder has used is something very interesting and it is apprehending consciousness so apprehending normally the word apprehension means uh, you anticipate something which you don't know about so it apprehend but here the apprehension is apprehending consciousness that which uh, sends it toward the future fully aware of what it is going to be and then there is the representative aspect where each aspect which is thrown into creation represents an aspect of the reality in the total working so supermind is fully aware of this totality of working but in the process of casting it into creation it enters into a phase where into the mind it gets fully involved into the mind and it forgets itself supermind which becomes mind it's let's say the same movement that when one is writing something a point comes where one forgets oneself in the writing and um, at that point of time all the rest is goes into the background so there are these three poises at once one where before the writing has begun you are aware that you have to write and you are fully conscious of the entire epic or a poem which is entering into you and then you begin to write and as you begin to write you are going further and further and a point comes when one is completely lost in the joy of writing and at the end point where each letter each word becomes a separate independent entity in its own right so we have all these three poses of the supermind on one side let's put it very simply on one side it's on the sachidananda leaning towards sachidananda where it's fully one with it it's absorbing all that is there in sachidananda in fact when we use this terminology as shubhendra says words fail because it is itself a power of sachidananda it is omniscience omnipotence and truth consciousness of the supreme himself so we can put it like this that the sachidananda has himself two poises one where it merges towards parbrahman where it becomes an indefinable ineffable absolute and the other where it has to create it leans forward and when it leans forward it brings out of itself its own truth consciousness by which it is aware and that truth consciousness makes uh, a kind of there is an awareness of sat chit and ananda and then it takes it holds it in a complete comprehension of what is to be done and then cast it into creation so these are the three poises of the supermind and then he speaks of the divine soul so um the divine soul in man is um, is the status of the soul before it has suffered a fall so repeatedly we will hear about this one is the story of adam and eve and uh, you know man is has fallen so what has fallen is there is a part of him in his, in our origin the soul originates when the one becomes the many it is in the supramental status it's fully aware of all other souls each does not live separately but the all live within each and the each lives within all so it's a wonderful world and it's perfect description beautiful description is there in shubhendu savitri the house of the spirit and the new creation so this is before our soul souls have fallen into this 
um, lower hemisphere. So we over origin there. And that's where we have the central being, the Jivatma in its central being, where it's fully conscious of the Lord, fully conscious of all others in the play. And they are all our friends. There are no enemies. And uh, not only all our friends, all are uh, integers of the divine. So it's a perfect uh, creation out there. But here, when a portion of the Jivatma or the central being enters into creation, it enters into the evolutionary cycle through which it will evolve into a psychic being. So we all have our two parts. One which is in its, as a divine soul, self-existent reality. And one could say, Shubindu takes up this question, why it had the need to enter into this creation? Was it compelled by the divine? If it was compelled, forced against his will, which is um, not not a logical possibility, then it would be not correct to really make the souls do this bungee jumping, push them. But all of us in that status saw the inconscient, felt a kind of veiled attraction because of the possibilities that you cannot manifest while being there. And we all said, yes, okay, come, let's go. And get set, go and we jumped. Now the rest is consequence, which is okay. Uh, that also he'll explain why we jumped. I mean, were we fools or there was a meaning behind it. So nevertheless, um, the divine soul is that status before it has fallen. So Shubhinda puts it like that, that imagine that status where it has not suffered a fall, what that life would be. Now that is a glimpse of the supramental life as it exists in its origin. But when it evolves, it will be far more complex and richer and different from the life as it exists there because it has evolved through all the challenges of life. So that's why we see this evolving soul, uh, Dashratha and other participating in the Devasur Sangram, which seems very strange. Devas and Asuras are fighting on another plane. How come human beings are involving themselves? And through this, they rise in their status. So this is the divine soul, the soul before it has fallen. And then he describes mind and supermind, where supermind gets completely involved into the mental, what really is the mind, how does it operate, it starts dividing each of these and he will fill that gap a little later. That from that point, this apprehending consciousness goes into the forefront. And let's take the example of somebody who gives different kinds of works for a construction. Now, originally there is this uh, owner and owner explains to the main manager that all this is to be done. So, who has the blueprint? The owner and the manager. Manager deputes each person do this work. And this person deputes further and further. So, the person who is actually laying the brick, though he is part of the whole thing and the owner knows and the manager knows. They are on the payrolls. All the energy, everything comes from there. But this person does not know while he is there of this totality. So, mind is like that agent which is between the super mind which is the all-knowing gnosis and the person who is actually executing by distributing work into different different sections and I am um, told that this is also a policy that some companies adopt where you have these small sections where one person working in a section doesn't know what's happening in the other section it's part of the policy <laughs> planning <laughs> whatever it be so the mind divides and distributes in its origin it is aware that origin who is given what job? But then the sub-managers are not aware at all. So the mind is nothing else but the super-mind which involves itself and therefore the mind at its own level by any amount of mathematics, subtraction, division, addition, multiplication in which it is an expert in it can include algebra and trigonometry and geometry and everything else. It 
cannot construct the whole because in that movement it is impossible the only way it can construct is by stepping back either making an inward shift or an upward shift and thereby reclaiming its lost divinity then it will automatically understand so it's like a bricklayer here and a um, person who is painting the wall there together they may keep on conjuring that what this building is about but they cannot for that they have to go and meet the um, you know the manager who is the project manager or the owner and then they will know exactly what's happening and this example works very well because um, you know it's like sachidanand and the supermind <laughs> so they are together one but sachidanand is like the owner and his own project manager is the supermind so project manager knows what he is going to do but he'll do everything <laughs> which the owner wants so it's a kind of paradox so that's why sachidanand and creation we have this intermediate link called the supermind so mind comes from the supermind when supermind starts specializing into a field of action and it forgets all others um then if mind has come from there whereas life come from so life comes as a wave from the same consciousness force again because of this involution again because of this ignorance life becomes here what it is struggling and also because it binds itself to form so it is conscious force of the divine but here it becomes just a little wave and here we can take the example of the ocean and the wave so a wave in itself is very limited but the ocean in itself it is vast and the energy of the wave is entirely from the ocean but the wave itself is very limited so that is the uh, problem we experience a life which is limited but wants unlimited dilwange uh, more and that's because deep behind it it is the illimitable who stands behind so its demand is valid its hungers for the infinite uh, but it uh, labors with the finite as instrument so life becomes its opposite it becomes death desire and incapacity it doesn't know how to create it so in ignorance the only movement is uh, let me create the all by having this having that so the movement of desire takes place and it believes that if i have it i'll be happy it wants that delight which it has lost so in ignorance it tries the methods of the ignorance and they are allowed because through this effort it grows it develops starts developing wings it feels stifled then develops wings so death is not the opposite of life death is a process of life life uses a form and up till the form can sustain it it goes and after its utility is over or it can no more serve the purpose then life withdraws does existence is no does life is no it so only changes its mode it's like life in a dream is different from life on the physical earth and even in the form which is dead life continues so initially even the life of the embodied being continues for some hours and that is the basis of organ transplant and then after life is withdrawn completely even then there is in it living matter and you know it becomes a food for other forms of life so the vultures and you know maggots and flies and all these beings um even when you destroy it it changes into energy so actually uh, speaking there is nothing like death but death is only this renewal of life when it takes place suddenly and abruptly and there is a complete dislocation of the material form from the life energy then we use the word death otherwise death is a constant process taking place in everyone millions of cells die and new cells come up it's a process of life 
and then shubhendra reveals to us about the ascent of life and here again life just like mind has to get freed from the ignorance and ascend towards its higher capacity life itself must ascend from this engagement with this lower form into higher and higher forms of itself and um, then we have this uh, again this problem of life same essence is the same essentially that life has a seeking for infinite life seeks delight life seeks force and it cannot as long as it is maimed by uh, three things which chain it one is the mind which is ignorant on which it depends and the second is the form itself on which it depends and therefore it becomes a kind of mediating instrument between the form and the mind and then shrivindo reveals to us very interestingly this interchange of life which takes place even otherwise normally life is involved in the form but as it emerges from the form it spreads itself all around is life currents we can actually experience it and uh, as life gets freed from the form uh, we can experience that there are different sources from which it can draw itself it can spread around it need not draw only from matter it can spread around and draw from the universal energy all around it can go up and draw from the spiritual consciousness above because it's all uh, a one single flow of life so life is not just as we understand we understand life by the instruments and processes of life but there are other processes other instruments and even when these instruments are disintegrated life continues to exist so uh, to free the life from this clutch of the form is the first step and then to expand it in its wideness which is the movement proper to life inevitably it takes place and then to help it ascend towards its own higher reaches until it touches its origin which is the divine consciousness and force and uh, in yoga its practical implication is very simple shubhendra in one of the passages in essays divine and human describes in this booklet yoga and its objects he says that instead of um, this inferior life which is originally the energy or shakti comes from the shakti of the divine what we should do is this life should be linked to the shakti and if you link it to the shakti and she starts driving this life so how do we do it we do it by offering a life to the divine uh, who is the life of our life as the kena upanishad puts it the light of our intelligence so from this truth these process of yoga derive the process are very simple people often ask how can it be that if you are working for the mother how things will change that's the only way it will change because when we work for the mother when we uh, offer ourselves to her we are linking this life which is struggling uh, which is you know thirsting for uh, love for delight for force it gets connected to the source which is in the embodiment of the divine mother and thereby it can start getting driven from her by her by that infinite shakti the only problem that will remain then is the form whether form can bear it or not but that's a problem shubhendra takes up later on in this very book so the double soul in man just as life has emerged from the consciousness force and um, mind from the super mind where does the soul come from and that he reveals to us that it comes from ananda that's why from the bliss principle of bliss and that's why within our souls one of the signs that one touches the soul is this inherent joy in everything not that vital bubbly 
joy which bubbles one moment and then tumbles the other moment but is self existent joy which is more of the nature of a quiet felicity inside this is the nature of the atmavan because spontaneously its nature is delight you touch it and there is joy at the same time it's because through the psychic we can glimpse the supramental life the central being the the divine soul it is connected to that through the uh, uh, psychic being we can universalize ourselves and it is this which is also the seat of love its characteristic movement is love good truth beauty they are the movements of the true soul in man but this true soul is again in its frontal appearance just as we have consciousness force and we have this life which is struggling super mind in which knowledge and power are inherent and one not divided we have this mind where both are divided what the mind wills the life cannot obey this is where because of the division we have in front a desire soul should be the use the word desire soul the reason why he uses the word soul here is because it is mistaken for the soul most often when people say my uh, you know myself they are referring to this desire soul and i feel like so that i is referring to the desire soul um and when they are searching for a soul mate it's normally referring to this desire soul <laughs> not the true soul so but behind this movement of the desire soul which ignorantly tries to capture it on it a light falls from inside and then it takes the form of ignorant emotions even they get perverted they get distorted in the process and therefore it has to go through its own rigmarole <laughs> until at one point of some time like hanuman it says um, that you you know that movement is very interesting hanuman tears off and you know inside there is only ram and sita so it is that movement which takes place when this desire soul this covering is removed and one is able to glimpse the veiled psychic entity so this is the double soul in man and then we have chapter called matter now shubhendra takes up the hard aspect okay mind is explained life is explained what about matter so matter is derived from the principle of sat from existence but here again we see that the moment consciousness gets involved from super mind to mind avidyamay maya and this mind fragments even everything it fragments existence into multiple infinitesimal points yet it is the same existence same substance and yet it try it cannot conceive of that so it fragments 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 ultimately of course he is not talking of the individual mind here it's a cosmic mind because individual mind comes much later human mind in evolution uh, human mind but it's a cosmic mind the avidyamai which acts upon the self existent and it makes it appear as if infinitesimals because it must it looks at one point misses the others it looks at one point so it create these infinitesimal units and within each unit there is another infinitesimal that's why the ishopanishad says so beautifully jagatyam jagat each individual motion within a universal motion so that's how matter is created here consciousness is completely lost totally obscure it forgets itself so to say the par brahman becomes stone if you want to put it like that he is there fully but he has it's it's in a state of as if self oblivion complete forgetfulness second is then it is tied to complete mechanical laws so it loses its absolute freedom here it becomes bound to mechanical laws and third is there is the ultimate finality of division so at the level of life we can still think of a kind of you know oneness at the level of mind we can start you know 
bringing, trying to bring together ideas. How do we do that with the body? The body is the last seat where the division imposes itself upon the eye so strongly that even people who, you know, read and think and meditate upon spiritual truths, when some body dies, they say he has died. The right thing would be that nobody has really died. <laughs> it is he has left the body. That should be the correct term. That he has left the body. He who inhabited has left the body. But you will see that even in places, even in um, when disciples are describing, let me put it like that, about the spiritual master, they'll put it, he died. There is nothing like he died. It's a in ignorant language. You can use the word withdrew, departed, whatever it be. <laughs> so, but this is how it because the, it imposes that extreme division. So, obscurity, dullness, total inertia is the characteristic of matter, not of matter. First, not. Second is that it binds itself completely to mechanic law. Last thing to obey. <laughs> because it's not receptive and open to the divine consciousness. And the third is that the division is so extreme that it imposes. How is matter created? This, if you look at it, it's all dance of energies. But it is seized by the senses. So it is senses that weave this matter. And then Shobindu reveals, but this matter as we know today is only one form of matter. Even at the most material level, there are other forms of matter. Other states of matter, not form of matter. Uh, we know three, four states, there are five, six, possibly seven states of matter. But there are other worlds also where there is nam and rope and wherever there is name and form, there is matter. We see in dreams, figures. So that is also matter. We have a vision of God. So in that vision, there is matter involved. But that matter is extremely subtle, completely subservient to the, you know, as the spirit wills, matter obeys. So the divine can take any form. If the devotee seeks him as Ma Durga, he will appear as Ma Durga. If he seeks as Virgin Mary, he appears as Virgin Mary. If he seeks him as Greek mysteries, as Palace Athene, then he appears as Palace Athene. Because that matter is completely supple and plastic to the will. It obeys the will. So there is a whole ascending series. There is a life world in which matter obeys the life impulses. Whatever you desire... Possibly that is where people go blow themselves up in the thought that they will go to some paradise where they can enjoy God knows what kind of paradise it is and what kind of enjoyment. But that's the place where your uh, life forces uh, including desire and everything matter is plastic to that. It responds to that. Then in the mind world it obeys the mind. But in physical world physical laws. It's not like a wishful thinking. That I want it to be so and it will be so. <laughs> Here it obeys physical law. So ascending series substance. But why this is important is because of this ascending series, there are steps, they are interconnected. So matter is constantly modified by the infusion of the matter and consciousness of these higher levels and that is how it undergoes modification. And jada matter, completely obscure matter, becomes living matter. Living matter becomes thinking matter and one day by the same process, it will become Divine matter, true matter, whatever way we want to put it. And then of course the sevenfold cord of being, we have actually already spoken about it. Now we have these seven principles, Satchit, Ananda, Supermind, Mind, Life, Body and behind it an eighth one, the psychic being. So this is the cord of being, this is the whole entire uh, series which he describes and all this is held in a state of utter oneness. 
in by the supramental creator and then finally chapter 28 supermind mind and overmind maya there is between the supermind and mind still a big gap so how to explain that gap therein comes this overmind overmind is the line which joins the two hemispheres the higher and the lower the parard and the upper ard so overmind is like a dissimilar similarities it's like a translucent uh, shield on one side of the shield it takes completely the sun in all its effulgence on the other side of shield while it goes through it changes and what it does it it picks up each possibility and gives it an entire scope so you can have an empire of each an empire where there is only love an empire where there is only justice an empire where there is only truth an empire where there is only all these divine possibilities and qualities but because each one starts building its own empire cut off from the rest it leaves its integrality and it forgets the oneness and thereby love becomes hatred an empire of truth turns into falsehood eventually so while overmind is not ignorance itself it is the origin it from there the possibility of ignorance starts that's why shobindo did not want another overmind religion but something where there is no possibility of ignorance at all and this complete conquest of the spirit over matter thank you